Welcome to Behind the Data, the podcast that takes you inside the world of market research and breaks down the topics we love to nerd out on. I'm so excited today to chat with our guest, the CEO of Euromonitor, Tim Kitchen. I think a lot of us, when we think about market research, we think about analysts conducting research, we think about numbers and data, but we don't really stop to think about what does it even mean to run a market research company? So Tim, you are going <laughs> to demystify that for us and maybe oh. shed some light on how market research as, as an industry has evolved over time. So Tim, welcome to the show. Well, I'm very happy to be here. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. No pressure. <laughs> some, some easy topics to yeah, breeze no through. Hassle, yeah, yeah. So b before we talk about maybe the big, broad stuff, let's mm -hmm. just talk a little about you and your background. How did yeah. you get involved in market research to begin with? Well, it, it wasn't the most glamorous start, really. I, I graduated from university in 1992. And for those that were alive then and adult, they'll remember, and in the UK, they'll remember there was a big recession, so I couldn't get a job. And uh, in those days, obviously, there was no internet no email so you used to get the newspaper to look for job ads and I saw this kind of little one at the bottom of a page of the newspaper saying you know analyst this company called Euromonitor I've been unemployed for nine months I needed a job so I thought well you know maybe that will be interesting so I, I, I applied and I did get an interview and I got turned down really really and so I thought well you know who cares that's only market research, don't even know what it is really. So I, I went, carried on being unemployed. I was volunteering uh, in a charity. Um, and about three months later, I got a call back from this person who rejected me. Huh. And she said, well, we've got another vacancy. Would you like a job? You really impressed us. <laughs> so I was desperate at that point. So I said... Was that on the brochure too? I was desperate? I was desperate. For that, recruiting. Was, that, was, that was on the top of my CV. Um, so I, I went back in for a chat and said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll take your job if if I can go on holiday for a month. She said, yeah. So I, so I, I took I took that job. And um, I didn't grow up with a love of market research or any knowledge about market research, actually. Um, so it's happenstance that I ended up in market research. I did a degree in geography, um, which... You know, at the time, I mean, it's not a vocational subject, um, but it did teach me analytical skills and okay. it taught me about data and how to work with data to a certain degree. There's quite a lot of demographics and kind of socio stuff in, in that course. And I didn't realize at the time that it was actually a really good grounding for what I ended up doing as a job. Um, but that's that's how I got into it, by being turned down and then saying, yeah, okay, after all. So there's hope for us, yeah, there's is hope, what you're there's, saying. There's, there's hope for all of us. I, I take um, new employees out to lunch every month, and I kind of roll this story out to give them hope, you know, because <laughs> they didn't get rejected the first time like I did. So you're better than me is your opening line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. And did you start in a particular field or industry, or I was what were you a, I was an analyst. Um, I, I was recruited as an analyst. So when, when I joined, the company was really small. There were like 40 of us globally. We'd literally just opened Chicago office, our wow. second office. There's one employee here. Um, you know, so the, the difference between the company then and the way it is today, I mean, it's, it's just an enormous transformation. So back then, yeah, I was an analyst and um, small company, no training, nothing like that. Okay, here's your first project. Tim, research disposable paper in the United Kingdom. So the really interesting stuff. Okay. Yeah. So well, how do I do that, Sarah? Um, well, you know, you go to 
published sources. You walk to the library and you get books off the shelf and then you go and photocopy the pages. And then you try calling some people to get um, their view on trends. Um, and then you write a report and we, we publish it on paper and we sell it on paper and people read it once and stick it on a shelf and that's the end of the transaction. So that, that's, that's what it was like at the beginning. I did, I did that work for a year. And in, in all honesty, I didn't particularly enjoy it um, because I think my personality and the, the way I'm interested in working was much more about project management and working mm-hmm. with clients and, and stretching my involvement in the business more widely than just doing research. Um, Did you shift into a role like that? Later yeah, on? yeah. So the, I, I, I moved into our consulting team after a year, which was four people. <laughs> Which and it's now it's a smidge larger two hundred and fifty people now I think I was managing the first two projects that we were ever asked to produce a standardised global data set of market sizes on consumer industries and it was a, a, a packager and an ingredient supplier wanted this data so that they could divide their sales into the market to understand their penetration of the market and the opportunity for them to grow across categories and across geographies and you know we were. We're called Euromonitor, but even back then we were doing global research. Uh, but the reports were not standardized. Um, so the data set was not comparable. And uh, our founder, Robert Senior, at that point, when we won those two projects, realized that that was the future for strategic market research, was to, to develop um, going from a kind of publication transactional model to a subscription online service model where you deliver this kind of standardized organized data set that the clients can interrogate and put their data next to. So those two consulting projects, bespoke projects that we did back in the day were the beginnings of what Passport is now today. And did you find that competitors or similar companies started doing the same thing right away or were we the No, the I mean, group? the strategic market research world, I, even today is is relatively niche in the in the wider context of market research because you know you've got your big scan your survey companies tactical data when when people who aren't in market research think of market research they think of survey and scan and and interviewing shoppers and and online panels and stuff um strategic research which we sit in currently is is a tiny part of of that whole research world so even today i don't think it's a very crowded market back then there was you know even even less so so what we were doing was cutting edge, but there wasn't much competition. So our challenge was not building market share. It was starting something that nobody had ever done before and, sure. and mastering how to do that without falling over. So eventually you moved into this leadership role. Has it been a struggle or what was the adjustment like looking at things from maybe the top down instead of one piece? Well, yeah, I became CEO four and a half years ago. Um, which I suppose is quite a long time now. Um, but I've been at Euromonitor for 25 years, uh, which is quite a long time and pretty unusual these days for somebody to Very stick, stick around so long. Uh, I started building what is now Passport in the late 1990s, that story I just told. And I was managing the research. I was managing the tech. I was managing the clients. 
that was because we were tiny and everybody had to do everything. Mm-hmm. And then and then as we grew and became more successful, people specialized, we hired more people, you divided up sales and research, you built a, a stronger tech function, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I was always involved in all of those aspects as as we grew and I kept my, my hands in in most things. So I was managing the people who managed the research rather mm-hmm. than doing it directly. I was managing the teams who were managing our customers and I was managing tech strategy for because the product can't be successful without the platform that we developed to deliver it to our customers through. In a way, when the opportunity came up, when the shareholders and founders decided to step back five years ago, I didn't feel like it was going to be a massive leap, to be honest. And I felt that I was really brilliantly qualified at Euromonitor to, to do this because it's like more or less what I felt like I'd been partly doing for quite a long time already. Could you have predicted that you would have been asked to do this, uh, you know, years ago when you were sort of doing the role? Yeah, I suppose so, because after about 10 years, after only 10 years <laughs> at the company, I kind of realized that I felt like at some point I wanted the opportunity to run the show because I felt like I was nearly doing quite a lot of that already. Sure. Um so, you know, my personal aspiration, you know, I don't know, I don't have massive desire and aspiration to be CEO in another even bigger market research company. I've 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 been on this journey with Euromonitor and, and I felt like I had the ability and skills and experience to to take it all the way, I suppose. And when that opportunity presented itself, I went for it and, and I was lucky enough to to be selected. Even though I'd done quite a lot of what I do now before, it is quite different. Because, you know, it's a cliche that it's lonely at the top and there are aspects of it that are. You have to separate yourself from people who were your peers previously. You have to make difficult decisions that affect people's careers and lives. And that's, you know, some of that stuff is not easy. But but it is really exciting looking at the future and working out how to evolve and grow and, and, and build the company even further. And, that, and that, you know, that's you know, really exciting and very satisfying. And it's a privilege, to be honest, to, to be able to do that. That's fantastic. Um, so you talked about evolution and growing, which is the perfect little segue. Mm. I want to kind of pick your brain. How has market research as an industry evolved? How have client needs changed? You know, the type of information out there. I know we loosely mentioned the <clears throat> internet and that seems like the most obvious choice, but there, there's so much more, you know, talk a little about what you've seen over time in this space. In, in our space, in strategic market research, like I said, you know, when I started, there was no email, there was no internet. People bought a book, they read it, they stuck it on their shelf, and you had no relationship with the client. We were, in our space at least, pretty much the first people to put a service like that on the internet. So we were kind of right at the front in that respect. You know, that gave us a huge advantage for, for quite a while, and that change from transaction to relationship is huge because you start talking to your customers at well every day ideally but and and through that relationship you start understanding their needs better um, and you start evolving and developing the solution more to their needs um, based on the relationship that you've developed with them that never existed before uh, and also the quality of the insights that you can deliver improve and benefit from the feedback that your customer gives you on your data so it becomes what we call a virtuous circle so the relationships that you build help strengthen the product and make it even better which makes it more attractive to the wider industry 
and so and so it goes there was a kind of snowball effect if you like and we still aspire to this because you know our, our journey's not over yet but you know the the idea that you know we're the benchmark in the strategic research space for consumer facing industries where you know all the brand owners and their suppliers and the banks and investment firms that advise them and the governments and so on they all use the same data set to understand the marketplace and their position in it and that's what we always aspired to and and you know i, b I believe we have reached that reached that position so that i think that the shift is the, de the delivery platform that allows you then to engage and develop relationships uh, in the strategic market research space that's that's taken us from a two million pound company when i joined to a 150 million pound company today i haven't even touched the evolution of the data that's available and how you do research. What are some, yeah, techniques, strategies? I mean, what's changed in the process? Well, there's a lot more data. <laughs> it's pretty for better or for worse. Pretty obvious <laughs> statement. Um, but in our space, you know, we hear constantly, well, you know, you're going to be out of business because you can get a lot of information free. You can Google this, you can get that. Big data will take over the world and all the rest of it. But um, artificial intelligence and so on will also uh, start delivering stronger insights on unstructured data. But even today, with our core product passport, you know we we believe strongly that the the effort that is involved in gathering information and organizing it in such a way to make it comparable um, and meaningful to our customers so they can use it straight away um, in their own workflow without having to unravel, contextualize, make sense of whatever you want to call it. That's not, you can't do that with a machine yet and you can't just get it off Google. It's right. impossible. There's such a lot of effort that goes in and we're still a privately held company with two shareholders who have always taken a really long view. And the long view means that we've always invested heavily in delivering as higher quality research as we're able to and we haven't tried to cut corners to win clients. So the most important thing of all are our relationship with our customers so we, you know, we do the right thing for our customers, I believe, and, and I am committed to always doing that. You know, those things kind of underpin the business. Today, that's still relevant, and it doesn't sound very sexy next to big data, but it's still incredibly powerful, the data that we get. Our client retention rates are enormous. Our data is used for, for really important reasons in, in driving strategy and acquisitions and due diligence and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a long time before that you know, can be done with a press of a button. So the human effort is still really valuable. Yeah, I'd imagine because there is so much data, it almost makes it worse for our clients because how do you know who's a trusted source? And like you said, you can Google stuff, but how do you know if the first thing and on the list it, is important, yeah, if the third uh, one is a better source? Absolutely. It's not only the quality of the source, it's the definition of the piece of data that mm -hmm. the source is giving you. And that that is so much of what we spend time doing because you get, you know, which retail channels are being included in the figure that is being published in, from by that source and what sample is being used in that right. piece of data, what products are included and excluded in what they call shampoo or um, yogurt. You know, it seems like not very important stuff, but actually it's absolutely critical because all the effort goes into working all that out 
so that when we put the data together, mm-hmm. you, you're comparing apples with apples. Well, yeah, and, and if you're the one diverting dollars into a new market, it you matters need, you, a whole lot. <laughs> it, it absolutely does. But, you know, the strategic research space attempts to deliver that. A lot of the market research world doesn't try to do that. They're much more tactical. They're much more local. And, and they're, they're, their information is very useful for different reasons. But to present that global mm-hmm. view in it that's really meaningful and helpful, it, it, that taking care of those details is, is so very important. So is the global or holistic approach that you're describing, would you say that's the most interesting thing about data in the industry right now? And if not, what is the most interesting thing going on? I mean, it's not the mo- what I've just described is not what pe- most people would think of as the most interesting thing in an industry. They think it's probably a bit boring and old school, to be honest. Huh. But I don't think it is. It's still incredibly relevant. The The thing that we're looking at and focusing on and developing and building for our future is how you blend strategic and tactical you know i talk about where strategic meets tactical mm-hmm. um, because uh, tactical data is incredibly valuable and if you if you organize an aggregator in really clever ways you can deliver tactical insights but also strategic insights to support the the, the bedrock that, of, of our business which is strategic data on consumer industries so the big data world is very interesting, but got to look at it through a, a certain lens to make sure that we're not just adding to the problem of loads of data. To be honest, I've used the big data term about five times in this conversation already, and I, I hate it because it's such a cliche. Everyone throws it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what does it actually mean? You know, what do people do with this information? How valuable is it really? Um, what a lot of people are doing are just churning out loads of data in, in ways that could be useful, but clients haven't found out how to yeah without that use it you mentioned it absolutely. seems like it's just and, a bunch of numbers you know as, as, as we stretch beyond strategic at our company you know what we're thinking really hard about is how we leverage the knowledge and skills that we have doing research and gathering data and presenting insights and how we organize data and how we understand the markets that we operate in how we can leverage all of that knowledge into tactical data in ways that deliver kind of really really meaningful tactical insights to our customers as well as the strategic stuff. So would you say that's maybe the biggest challenge right now? M- making sense of big data and making it valuable to the customers is, is, is probably one of the biggest challenges because you know everybody's obsessed with talking about it. Everybody's got loads of data and nobody's quite sure how to make it really work. You know, there's some areas where it's more successful than others. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the big one, how to organize all that data and how to understand in our industry how to understand the impact of online retail, Mm -hmm. how to measure that because traditionally we don't have ways to measure that data accurately and to understand the dynamics of e-commerce, online retail, whatever you want to call it, versus bricks and mortar is in our space and for our customers is incredibly important. How do we begin to even tackle something like that? Not to put you on the spot. Yeah, I'm, but... not, I'm not sure I should tell you that because then I'd be giving something All the away. trade secrets. <laughs> it sounds like big data and e-commerce, you say, is, is the hot new concern for a lot of our clients. Is that sort of the future of market research and where things are going? What sort of trends do you foresee becoming more and more important? There's two seemingly opposing things that I hear a lot about. One is big data, which is... There's, there's all this really interesting data that we need to find ways how to leverage that to help inform our business decisions as an organization. Not Euromontra, I mean as a, as a, as a customer of, of market research. And then the other is, I want a more personal human experience. 
And those two things are somehow contradictory, aren't they? They are. Yeah. So I think that's that's one of the challenges for our industry is how to use big data in intelligent, clever ways that helps customers rather than you know stresses them out and overloads them. And at the same time, be really targeted and personal and human with them because people want relationships in the end. Uh, they don't want to just be hit with loads of data and data graphics and visualizations and dashboards, endless dashboards, you know. Um, they want so to talk to someone. They do, they do. So that's a tough balance. Um, one thing we ask everyone on the show is, what is the weirdest thing that you've ever researched? This isn't particularly weird, but it's slightly uncomfortable for the people who had to do the research, which was researching sex toys for a client, and they had to do store checks in sex shops. So that was... It's always that, good to that, tell mom what's going on. That was a slightly <laughs> weird project from that respect. Um, okay, so that's the, the strangest one you heard of. What about like, your dream project that we've never gotten to do? If you could drum up, even if you're not the one researching, what's like the coolest thing you would want to get your hands on or for your own monitor to get their hands on? I'm not going to talk about a category or a geography or a solution because it's like, but it, the dream project is is doing something with the customer that mm -hmm. really answers a really important question they've got and that, you know, pushes the boundaries of, of methodologies, delivers really amazing insights through really strong partnership and collaboration that makes them really happy. And, and you know, that that's what I hope we try and do every time. Yeah. Um, but, that, you know, that's that's the dream project is, is a happy client in the end. All right, now I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Who is your favorite Euromonitor employee? And why? <laughs> no, now I'm just messing with you. Tim, thank you so much for joining us and, and shedding more light as to what market research is, how it works, and really contextualizing it from a company perspective. Well, it's been fantastic. I, I hope that helped. I might not have given some of the answers you expected. but That's okay. I know I'm on the top of your favorite employee list. You don't have to say it out loud. And thank you for tuning into this episode of Behind the Data. We hope you're as curious as we are and we'll continue to listen as we dissect data, research, and everything in between. Thank you.